our family didn't have family vacations. We didn't go to the beach in the summertime. You know, we, we, we wrestle. I get like a little bit of everything that I kind of wanted in my life. Like, you know, a little wrestling. Our wrestling is just kind of the fabric of the culture. You know, I think that was a very important part of who I am and who I am today. Uh, going back and, uh, coming back to the struggles. You're probably the first person I've talked to about it outside of, uh, my family and my, my personal wrestlers. That voice in my head, kind of, that said, you can't do this, that was kind of what made me want to do it. It doesn't matter you know, how your body feels or how you feel, but, you know, it's, it's about how you go out and compete and your attitude really when you're out on the map. So that, that national tournament that year was, was, um, was the most enjoyable wrestling experience that I've, ever, that I've ever had in my life. For 17 years, it was like, this is what I was training for, you know, and this is potentially my last tournament. It's like, this is it. It's like eight mile, like you only get one shot. I felt like he took what was mine, you know, and um, I was trying to take what was his. So just kind of how things go. Welcome to a conference championship edition of Sudden History. As always, I'm your host, Earl Smith. Normally on Sudden History, I talk about events that happened years, maybe decades ago. However, there's just too much going on to ignore. Besides, a lot of history was made this weekend, so why not talk about it? I literally had three laptops going on at the same time, along with an iPad. I was on Twitter on my phone, and really, I felt like I could have used more. I mean, you can file that under hashtag FirstWorldProbs. Um, just to explain things, this is my recap. It's not going to be your normal recap. You're not going to hear me complaining about a phantom stall call. I'm not going to break down play-by-play action or anything like that. I'm going to give you a bunch of the facts, stats, and trends that I've come across when processing these results. Some are going to be totally obscure. Others have been well discussed. In the past, I've included these into a big pre-NCA's posting on the D1CW website. I figured why not have a giant podcast with some of these types of nuggets of information. I'm going to do the same thing pre-NCA's as well as post most of my NCA qualifier number type information is going to be on that pre-NCA show next week, especially since the at-large births have not been announced as of this taping. But I have included a few I felt like I needed to mention. So without any further, here we go. Let's jump into it, starting with the Pac-12. This tournament seemed like it happened a month ago because of all the stuff going on this weekend when in reality it was just last weekend. Oregon State won the team title 118-113 to over the host Arizona State. It was a tournament truly won in the wrestlebacks. Oregon State only had one champ individually. That was Amir Desi at heavyweight. Both Arizona State and Stanford had three individual champions. If you asked me prior to the tournament, I would have picked Stanford to win. What looks like the difference maker for the Beavers were the four wrestlers, who picked up third place finishes compared to two for Arizona State and Stanford. Cal State Bakersfield's Bryce Hammond and Stanford's Jim Wilson both won their third Pac-12 title. Hammond is a senior who had won titles in his first two seasons before getting injured last year. Wilson's a junior who will have the opportunity to get four. Wilson is also the first three-time conference champion in Stanford history. The last four-time Pac-12 Actually, it was Pac-10 at that time. Champion was Arizona State's Eric Larkin, who finished his career in 2003. 
Two of Arizona State's NCAA qualifiers, Dalton Brady and Robbie Mathers, were originally signees of Utah Valley. Mathers ended up spending time at OTC before going to Missouri. Brady did attend Utah Valley, but then transferred to Arizona State. All three of the wrestlers who qualified for nationals from Cal State Bakersfield all happened to hail from Bakersfield. They are Ian Nickel, Adam Fierro, and Bryce Hammond. With Chris Castillo's Pac-12 title for Boise State, he became the seventh different wrestler from the state of of Washington to capture a Pac-12 or Pac-10 title for the Broncos since 2008. Of course, the other seven are Jake Schwartz, Brian Owen, Brent Criswell, Kurt Schwartz, Tyler Scherfe, and Corey Fish. Boise State had two wrestlers lose in the true second-place matches, which prevented them from earning automatic qualifying spots. Rami Hadidin at 125 and Taylor West at 174. Cal Poly was the only school which did not have an automatic qualifier. I'm going to go through some possible at-large berths for the Pac-12. They are Joey Palmer, the 133-pounder from Oregon State. I think he has a decent shot. Not great. Coleman Hammond, 149-pounder from Cal State Bakersfield. He has a a decent, not great shot. Garrett Crone, 84-pounder for Stanford. He had earned a qualifying spot for the conference. Not sure if he'll be able to get in. The best shot looks like the 197-pounder from Cal State Bakersfield, Reuben Franklin. I think he's probably got a spot locked up. He was up in the top 10 for a good portion of the season. The next tournament we're going to discuss is the EWL. Ryder got the title over Edinburgh by a 9.5 point margin. Edinburgh qualified six for NCAAs, while Ryder only had five. Both of the schools had three individual champions. Ryder's Rob Deutsch, Connor Brennan, and Edinburgh's Vic Avery all won their third conference title. This was the first EWL title for Ryder in the long history of the program. Actually, they've only been in the EWL for three seasons, yet it's their first title. Ryder amassed 89 team points. The last time the EWL tournament was won with a score of less than 100 points was 2004 when Edinburgh and West Virginia tied with 99.5. 2015 All-American Dan Neff became a four-time NCAA qualifier with his conference title and the EWL's toughest weight, 149. His EWL title was the first by a Lockhaven wrestler since John Trombetti in 2010. Riley Shaw won his second consecutive EWL championship at 285 pounds. The last multiple-time EWL champion for Cleveland State was Dan Carcelli, who won three titles between 1993 and 1995. Two EWL schools failed to have an automatic qualifier. They were Bloomsburg and George Mason. The one possible at-large berth that stands out to me would be George Mason's 157-pounder, Greg Flournoy. Moving along to the Southern Conference, the SOCON. I was pretty anxious to see how this tournament would play out as App State 
Chattanooga and Gardner Webb all exchanged wins with each other in regular season dual competition. The title came down to the heavyweight finals. Appalachian State's Denzel Dejernet defeated Chattanooga's Jared Johnson 4-2. This gave the Mountaineers a SOCON title by the thinnest of margins, a half of a point. Both Nathan Kreiser and Vile Hieno captured titles for the Campbell Camels. It marks the first time since 2013 that multiple Camel wrestlers will be headed to Nationals. One of them was current Nebraska starter Eric Montoya, who would transfer after the season. The last time Campbell had two conference champions was in 2000 when Billy Green and John Christian both won CAA titles. That was actually two conferences ago as they also competed in the East Regional prior to the SOCON. One of the first things I noticed looking through the final results was the champion at 125, Freddie Rodriguez of Southern Illinois Edwardsville. For those of you that don't follow the high school results as closely as college, Rodriguez was a stud in his early years of high school, then got derailed by some off-the-map problems. For a time, he was one of the top pound-for-pound kids in the high school class of 2012 that would end up being headlined by Jason Sertzis, Taylor Massa, Jimmy Goulibon. Rodriguez won a double title in Fargo at the junior level, 2010. Some notable wrestlers that he either beat or outplaced were three-time NCAA qualifier Evan Silver of Stanford, All-American Dylan Peters of Northern Iowa, two-time All-American NCAA runner-up Corey Clark of Iowa, three-time All-American and NCAA runner-up Deshaun Garrett of Cornell. So it's good to see Freddie back on the mat, and let's hope he continues to come back to his old form. A quick shout-out to Jason Bryant and his Fargo Almanac. Made it very easy to find those past results. The Citadel failed to automatically qualify a wrestler for nationals. From 2012 to 2015, they had at least one conference champion, The last year they had no NCAA qualifiers at all was 2008. I don't think that will be a problem. Aaron Walker should have a decent shot at large berth in the 157-pound class. We have to give a congrats to VMI's Neil Richards. He is their first NCAA qualifier since heavyweight Josh Wine in 2011. Richards had to come through the Concies and defeat the aforementioned Aaron Walker in a true second-place bout. Chattanooga. They got titles from freshman Kamal Shakur and Scotty Boykin. The Mocs have had at least two individual titles per season every year since 2010. I mentioned the Citadel did not have any automatic qualifiers. Davidson did not as well. Some possible at large bursts for the SOCON. Aaron Walker, as I mentioned before, I think he's got a good shot. Mike Pongratz from Chattanooga think he has a decent shot. 149-pounder from Gardner-Webb. Chris Vassar, I think he has a very good shot. Forrest Privets from App State. He has been around the bottom of the uh, top 33 rankings before. He might get in. And then the 184-pounder, John Lamp from Chattanooga. 
The next conference I'm going to discuss is the EIWA. Cornell took the title for the 10th consecutive season. To put that into perspective, the last season, the Big Red came in second. Current assistant coach Mike Gray was an 11th grader that year. It was 2005. Deshaun Garrett was the champ at 133 pounds. He became the 10th wrestler ever to win four EIWA titles and the fourth Cornell wrestler to do so. Cam Simez, Mac Lunas, and Tra- Travis Lee were the other three. Teammate Gabe Dean has positioned himself to join that group as he won his third title in three tries. More Cornell is really good type stats. The Big Red had four individual champs. They have had at least three a year every year since 2009. Drexel's Matt Samato was victorious at 149 pounds. The Dragons have had an individual EIWA champion in both of their seasons, competing in the EIWA following the collapse of the CAA. Kevin DeWoy was the other last year. Brett Harner won Princeton's first individual title since Greg Parker did so in 2003. The Tigers finished in the top five as a team for the first time since 1978. Harvard senior Devin Gabo had an injury-plagued first three years of competing for the Crimson. He entered the 2015-2016 season, the career record of 27-26. and 26. In his final campaign, he amassed a record of 25-4 and four and defeated Cornell's Duke Pickett to win an EIWA title. Bucknell had two individual finalists. Paul Petroff and Joe Stolfi for the first time since 2010 and placed third behind Cornell and Lehigh for the second consecutive season. Franklin, Mar- Franklin and Marshall had two wrestlers automatically qualify for nationals. The 141-pound champ Rick Durso and 285-pounder Antonio Paluzzi. It is the first time the diplomats will send multiple wrestlers to nationals since 1994. You remember those guys. It was Ed Moore and Vic Bernardino. The Penn Quakers did not have a finalist for the first time since 1990. Just for reference, at that time, Syracuse, William & Mary, Wilkes, East Stroudsburg, and Yale were all competing in the EIWA. The Ivy League schools accounted for six of the ten individual champions, Four for Cornell, one for Harvard, and one for Princeton. That is the highest number since 2010. Moving into some of the possible at-large berths, and there's going to be a lot from the EIWA. The first is David Terrell, the 125-pounder for American. I think he's got a great shot. He's three-time qualifier, super highly ranked. He hasn't wrestled a great schedule this year, but I think he's pretty close to a lock. Moving along to the 133-pounders, you have Angelo Amenta from Columbia and Caleb Richardson from Penn. Richardson actually beat Amenta at the EIWAs, but Amenta has a better resume, I think, from this season. So he might get in over Richardson. Then we have Tyler Smith, 141-pounder from Bucknell. I think he has a pretty solid chance. Steven Galliardo, the 149-pounder from Brown, he might be able to get in. Ian Brown, the 157-pounder from Lehigh, he was a replacement for Mitch Minotti, he might actually get in. 174, 
very strong, very deep weight class for the EIWA. I think you've got two locks and another strong possibility. The locks are Casey Kent from Penn, Jonathan Schleifer from Princeton, also Zach Hernandez from Columbia. He's been an NCAA qualifier before. I think he's got a good shot. Another guy with a good shot, Princeton's A. Bial at 184. Going up to 197, you have Michael Wolf from Navy and Frank Mattis from Penn. I think one of those two, maybe both of them get in. Heavyweights, Garrett Ryan from Columbia, Joey Goodhart from Drexel. I think Garrett Ryan has a pretty good shot to get in. Maybe Goodhart gets in as well. Now we're going to talk about the MAC Conference. As expected, Missouri ran away with the tournament, winning by 30-plus points, even though they had a couple upsets along the way. Missouri has now won the MAC championship in each of their four seasons competing. The Tigers crowned five individual champions, the same number as last season. However, Jaden Cox is the only one who repeated. One of the new champions for Missouri was Leroy Barnes. Barnes started the season as a 141-pounder, loses a spot to Matt Manley, has LaVon Mays at 149, so he bumps all the way up to 157. What's he do? He takes home a MAC championship in his first trip to Nationals as a senior. Always cool hearing those type of stories. Jaden Cox now has won three MAC titles in as many seasons. Not one, but two wrestlers were unable to claim their fourth MAC title this weekend. Kent State's Ian Miller had the injury default out of his semifinal match, and the entire tournament appeared to be a concussion protocol type situation. Ohio's Cody Walters was also knocked off in the semis by Blaze Butler, ended up taking third place. A semifinal loss to six seeded Dakota Juarez of Eastern Michigan knocked Northern Iowa's Cooper Moore out of contention for four conference titles. Moore, Jr., had won a title in each of his first two seasons. Now pull out your brackets. Take a look at the chaos that occurred at 133 in the quarterfinals. Talk about a bracket exploding. The only seed that held true was the four seed Corey Keener beating the five seed Josh Alber. And there's not even a huge difference usually between four and five seeds. The top three seeds all went down in those quarterfinal matches. The number one, number two, and number five seeds did not qualify automatically for nationals. One of those guys doing the upsetting was Northern Illinois' Austin Iker. He knocked off the number three and number four seeds on his way to the title at 133. Iker became the Huskies' first conference champion since Brad Dykhouse did in 2011. Central Michigan had seven automatic qualifiers, yet only one of those was from Michigan. That was freshman Justin Oliver. In fact, you have to go back to 2013 to find any other Michigan residents who were NCAA qualifiers from the chips. I'm going to take uh, this time right here to give some props to Buffalo head coach John Stutzman. Recently, I was reading a message board thread that was asking what was going on with the program. Well, Stutzman's finally got a few years to get his type of guys in there. Looking at them in the dual season, they took some lumps, but they showed a lot of fight. I watched a couple of their matches. 
you know, it was the type of fight that you'd see out of this Bloomsburg teams. Those Bloomsburg teams were short on blue chip recruits, but long on heart and toughness. Now, leading up to this tournament, I don't believe any Buffalo wrestlers earned qualifying spots for the MAC. However, that didn't stop them from putting three wrestlers into the NCAA tournament and having a few others that were just a match away. Keep an eye on the Bulls going forward. Michael De Palma's championship at 149 pounds kept alive a Kent, Street, Kent State streak, try to say that a couple times, of having at least one MAC champion every year since 2006. The streak was started by Kurt Gross and Alex Carmago. Phil Wellington of Ohio lost to Missouri's Jaden Cox in the finals for the third consecutive year. Cox dominated this highly anticipated matchup. Wellington accounted for Cox's only regular season blemish when he was disqualified for dumping onto his head onto the basketball court. Wellington also owns another one of Cox's five career losses. Prior to Jaden Cox, Wellington was in a weight class one by Dustin Kilgore, <laughs> the luck of some guys. A big shock for me was the implosion of the Old Dominion team. The Monarchs entered this season with three returning All-Americans and finished this tournament in ninth place. Before the tournament started, they were hit for a loss when Midlands champ Emilio Saavedra missed weight, and then All-American Lenny Richardson was disqualified for flagrant misconduct. Because of this, he would not be able to compete at nationals. Going through a couple of the possible at-large berths, Shakur Laney, the 125-pounder from Ohio, he has a pretty decent shot. We're going to see a couple of these 133-pounders getting berths. Zach Sinan of Missouri, Josh Alber of Northern Iowa. I think those guys are pretty, pretty close to locks. Another lock is Ian Miller, 157-pounder, Kent State. I think the big discussion is going to be where is he seated. Another Kent State Golden Flash, Tyler Buckwater, 165. He's had a pretty solid season, as has Andrew Manchik of Ohio, the 184-pounder. Now getting to a couple of the big ones. We'll start with the Big 12. The team, the team race ended up being anticlimactic. Oklahoma State cleaned up with seven champions and won by a cool 61-point margin in this new Big 12 that was combined with the old West Region or West Wrestling Conference. Alex Deeringer continued to cement his legacy as one of the best wrestlers in Oklahoma State history with his fourth Big 12 title. Only six Cowboy wrestlers before him achieved that feat. Oklahoma State wrestlers... Anthony Colica and Austin Marsden both won their third Big 12 title. Colica's a junior, so he'll have a chance to become a four-timer. All ten of the champions came from the old Big 12 programs, with Oklahoma State having seven, Oklahoma having two, Iowa State with one. The new Big 12 schools did have opportunities, as both Cody Pack and Hayden Zilmer were top seeds. Pack fell to Jojo Smith. Whether you want to call that an upset or not is kind of up for debate, but Zilmer was upset by Nolan Boyd. Also, Nate Rodert of South Dakota State was the higher seed in his final at 197, but fell to Cowboy Preston Weigel. 
It was easy to see that 125 was the deepest weight class at the event, with six wrestlers getting automatic bids. However, NCA runner-up Zeke Moisey weighed in and defaulted out, preserving his opportunity to get an at-large berth. Past NCA qualifier Jason Tolbert of Utah Valley also did not qualify, so it's conceivable that the conference could end up sending eight wrestlers to nationals at 125. After three years in the Big 12, West Virginia is still looking for their first conference champion. This season, they do not have a finalist. Kind of along the same lines as Freddie Rodriguez earlier, a guy that will make his NCAA championships debut and was a very accomplished high schooler and has been well-traveled, is Iowa State's Patrick Downey. He came in as the ninth seed and placed third. Downey was briefly at Nebraska, spent some time at the OTC, couple junior colleges, was linked to a couple other prominent programs along the way, and along the way, he won a junior world silver medal in freestyle in 2012. Oklahoma's Ryan Milhoff became the first Georgia native to win a Big 12 title since at least 1999. My records can get a little messy prior to 99. Georgia did have a finalist as recently as 2012, with Missouri's Dorian Henderson, and prior to him, a Sooner, Whit Durden, twice made the finals in 2002 and 2003. I think the Big 12 has a bunch of really good shots at at-large berths. The first is Zeke Moisey. It'll be up to the coaches and the selection committee if they want to give him a berth, because he had that pretty gruesome injury. We'll even be able to compete at nationals. Again, Chase and Tolbert from Utah Valley. You're going to have Josh Martinez, a 133-pounder from Air Force. He's a three-time NCAA qualifier. Alex Coker of South Dakota State at 149 pounds. He had a pretty solid year. Dane Pistano, the 184-pounder from Iowa State. He kind of came out of nowhere and had a real good year for the Cyclones. And then Jake Smith, the 97-pounder from West Virginia. He spent a good portion of the year in the top 10. He was the number one seed at this tournament. He's as good as a lock. Now we're going to talk about the ACC. NC State won their first NCAA tournament championship since 2007. In 2007, current Wolfpack assistant Adam Hall was a true freshman at Boise State. The tournament itself was one of the most anticipated in years with two top five teams squaring off in NC State and Virginia Tech. The Wolfpack had a 3-2 advantage in final matches head-to-head with Tech. Overall, NC State had four champions. That was their most since that 2007 team when they had five. Nick Wazdowski won his third ACC title and his his fourth conference championship He won a CAA title with Binghamton in 2012. NC State's Tommy Gant spoiled Nick Brissetta's opportunity to win four ACC titles. UVA's George DiCamillo won his third ACC title, yet he was the only finalist for the Cavaliers. Virginia Tech freshman Zach Zavatsky won a title at 184 since 2007-2011. 
Only seven freshmen have won ACC championships. Four of those seven, Zach Zavatsky, Dennis Gustafson, Nick Brissetta, and Devin Carter were all Hokies. North Carolina had two champions in Evan Henderson and Ethan Ramos. The last time the Tar Heels had multiple conference champions was in 2006 when they had three, Jared Royer, Garrett Atkinson, Alex Masiak. Pittsburgh failed to have an ACC champion for the first time in the three seasons competing in the conference. The ACC will feature two sets of twins competing at the NCAA championships, North Carolina's Henderson's, Evan and Robert, and Duke's Fine Silver's, Mitch and Zach. The ACC doesn't have a lot in terms of possible at-large berths. Dennis Gustafson at 133 from Virginia Tech. He missed a good portion of the year with an injury, never fully recovered. I would say he's firmly on the bubble. 157 pounds, Andrew Atkinson from Virginia. He's a possibility. Chip Ness, 197 pounds from North Carolina. I think he's got a pretty good shot. And then Pat Gillen from Virginia, the heavyweight. He's kind of on the bubble as well. All right, saving the biggest and the best for last, we're talking about the Big Ten. Penn State comfortably took home the title and crowned three individual champions. The last Big Ten team to win three or more titles in the same season was the Penn State team of 2013, which had four. Corey Clark's win helped Iowa out of a mini slump. They lost all four of their Big Ten finals matches in the 2015 season. Because of the Big Ten dual scheduling, we saw two weight classes where there were two undefeated wrestlers entering the tournament at 125 pounds with Nathan Tomasello of Ohio State and Iowa's Thomas Gilman. Also at 149 pounds with Penn State's Zane Rutherford and Brandon Sorensen of Iowa. Only the Rutherford-Sorensen match materialized with Rutherford getting the 4-0 win. For the first time since 2013, there was a rematch between wrestlers at the same weight from the previous season in the finals. That was the awkward Jordan-Cousins rematch between Isaac and Bo. The 2013 rematch was between Logan Stieber and Tony Ramos. Two-time defending Big Ten champion Jason Sertzis was stopped on his quest for four Big Ten titles. He lost twice in the tournament to Michigan's Alec Pantelio. With Sertzis losing in the quarterfinals, it marked the first season since 2010 where Northwestern did not have at least one finalist. Rutgers, they placed fifth and tallied 106.5 points. That is more than double Minnesota's point total of 51.5. Additionally for Rutgers, Anthony Ashnault became the first Big Ten champion for the school at 141 pounds. Nebraska was one of the big stories of the tournament, fighting it out with Iowa and Ohio State for second before eventually dropping to fourth. They, along with Oklahoma State, are the only schools that automatically qualified all ten of their wrestlers. Bo Nickel, he was the first Texan to win a Big Ten title in the 2000s. Kyle Snyder, he was the first Maryland native to win a Big Ten title in the 2000s. Michigan State's 
Javier Gasco was their first Big Ten semifinalist since Dan Osterman in 2013. Michigan State and Maryland both replicated their 2015 finishes of 13th and 14th place, respectively. Now we're going to look at some of the possible at-large berths for the Big Ten, and there should be a few. At 125 pounds from Rutgers, that would be Sean McCabe. If he were to qualify, that would be all 10 for the Scarlet Knights. We're also looking at 2015 All-American Rossi Bruno from Michigan. He has a great shot at getting one. 141 pounds, Jamison Oster from Northwestern. Have a feeling he should get one. There's a couple guys at 149, Jake Short of Minnesota, Alex Griffin of Purdue. I'm not sure if both of them they'll get in, but at least one should. 157 pounds, Lou Muscola of Maryland. I think he's got a good shot. Uh, additionally, Doug Welsh of Purdue. He had a good season last year. This year, not as much. Not sure if he gets in. 184 pounds. Another All-American on the outside looking in. That's Kenny Quartz of Ohio State. I'm thinking he gets one as well as his teammate Mark Martin at 197 pounds. And then at heavyweight, Iowa's Sam Stoll. I think he's got a great shot. Um, he does have an injury, so who knows how effective he'll be. And then I'm actually leaving off his teammate Patrick Rhodes at 165 pounds. I think he's probably got a good shot of getting in as well. So there you have it. There is my conference recap. If you like what you hear, you have some facts, statistics you'd like to pass along to me, I can be reached at D1CW or at Sudden History for the podcast Twitter account. I'm going to go. As been the custom, at least a new custom now, going forward, I'm going to turn it over to Greg Jones to take us away. How the hell do I get off this stage?